This episode is sponsored by our friends at Fujifilm North America. Their X-Series digital cameras and lenses may just give you that creative edge you're looking for in your portraits and events. You'll find everything from 40 megapixel image quality to 40 frames per second bursts, plus unique in-camera film simulation modes and effortless usability. Click the link in the episode description to find the full range. There has never been a better time to invest in your passion, so make sure to click the link. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. One aspect of video marketing, the slideshow is a way to definitely increase your sales. When you put all of those images together and put some music behind it, and that's where you get this emotional attachment to the images and it becomes harder to actually say no to purchasing them potentially then cutting that slideshow down and putting it onto your Facebook feed and sort of seeing what kind of interaction it gets. It's not as difficult as it seems and I think the benefits that you will see from it will definitely be worth that time invested. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Today's guest is Sally Sargood, and I was extra excited to interview her because she's become a great friend of mine over the last few years, and I just always love the chance to talk with her. Sally has been part of the photography industry for many years, doing everything from shooting to marketing to being Jerry Gionis's right-hand girl for seven years to starting her own business, and now she is the senior marketing manager for Animoto. Sally is such a wealth of knowledge around so many different things, especially with using video for marketing your business. During this episode, she gives us some awesome tips that we can actually implement into our own marketing, and it just makes using video marketing just less daunting overall. I learned a ton during my interview with Sally, and I'm so happy that we get to share all of this with you. Please enjoy today's episode with Sally Sargood. Hey, Sally, how are you? I'm good, Nikki. How are you? I'm so good. It's always so nice to chat with you. I know we have kind of a friendship outside of this business stuff or whatever, so it's always good just to be able to talk to you and spend time with you. (laughs) Yeah. If anything, it feels weird actually hearing your voice and not seeing your face. I know. I know. It is weird. Oh, crazy times right now. Just for people out there who don't know how we met, we met through Sue. And for those of you who don't know who Jill is, one of my dear friends who passed away from breast cancer, Sue did a story about Jill, a photo shoot documentary with Haley Bartholomew. And Sally was with us on our trip to Paris, which is where it all happened. And so Sally and Sue have been friends for years. And then on that trip, Sally and I met and we've just really kind of been friends ever since. So it was a really just amazing connection. Yeah. Amazing trip and some beautiful memories from that trip as well. Oh yeah. And we're coming up on, I think the, let's see. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's going to be eight years. Oh my goodness. Year. Eight years. Oh my goodness. 
I know. We could do a whole podcast about that trip and that shoot. You know I, that, don't you? Oh, my gosh. Totally. We actually should. We should maybe th- consider doing that because people always ask, you know, just about it and always have such beautiful things to say about Jill. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Sal, even though we're friends, <laughs> <laughs> on the other side of this is like a whole business part of you that I really want to hear about. And I don't know that I've ever really heard your full story of how you got to where you are today. And and Sal started as a photographer, but now that's not, you know, she's not a photographer as her career. However, she has so much to teach around, you know, things that can help photographers because she's been like been there, done that with just like a gamut of things, including marketing and video and just working with really successful photographers. And so would would you mind just kind of, I don't know, telling us how you got started in this whole photography business? Sure. How, how long have we got? <laughs> <I know. laughs> An hour. Because <laughs> it, it feels like forever. But I actually, in my high school years, I was 16. And, and in high school in Australia, we do a thing called work experience, where at around the age 15 or 16, they encourage you to go into a business that you think might be the career that you want to choose and try it out more or less and see what it's like. So at 16, I actually said I wanted to be a photographer and they put me into a, um, a wedding and portrait studio, which I was really disappointed about because I wanted to be a newspaper photographer. But I went into this wedding and portrait studio and I, I did two weeks full-time work with them and, and they, they taught me studio lighting and I, I went along on all the shoots with them and everything. And I enjoyed it so much, I then went on to work part-time outside of school. I worked my weekends with them, assisting weddings, and really at that early age went straight into photography and loved it from from the get-go. But after I finished high school, I decided I wanted to be a retoucher. Oh, I didn't know that. Which is actually really ironic because I know Sue was in the same field. Yeah. So the professional lab that we were using as a studio, like the equivalent to, say, White House or Miller's, I went down for a job interview, although there was no jobs available, and said to them that I wanted to be a retoucher. And of course, he's like, well, that's something you need to be skilled at. What else would you do? And I said, well, what have you got? And he said, well, nothing at the moment, but if a job comes up, I'll let you know. And three months later, a job came up as a printer in this professional lab. So at 17 years of age, I didn't go to college or anything. I went straight into work started working at this professional lab and I very quickly moved into a customer service role and that eventuated into a account manager role in sales and marketing at the lab. And then at the age of 25, I went to the other side of the country to Western Australia for a bit of a sabbatical. And over there, I started working for a photographer called Tony Hewitt and I was studio manager for him in his studio. And after 18 months of that, it was time to come back home to Melbourne, where again, I went into another pro lab that was just starting out from the very beginning, a boutique kind of lab. And uh, for them, they they were called the Edge Photo Imaging. I started very much kind of running the business. I brought in all the new clientele for them. I did everything from printing there to dispatch to the accounts to it was a very small business, so it was hands-on in many ways. And after seven years there, I decided it was time to see what it was like on the other side. And so I started working for a photographer by the name of Jerry Guionis. And I, I started working in his studio, initially started as a receptionist and then kind of moved into a, a studio manager role there. And 
a couple of years in, Jerry decided to start his own studio, which was Jerry Guiona's Photography, and he took me with him pretty much as his right hand to uh, do all of the work so that he just had to show up and take the pictures. And I know he might listen to this and I don't think he'd mind me saying that. No. Well, he actually talked about you. I just interviewed him. He is, let's see, what episode is Jerry? He's episode number 31. Mm-hmm. And he talked about you a little bit. Oh, did he? Yeah. Was it nice? Sure did. Of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I learned a lot from Jerry, obviously. and. My time with him was everything from organizing his workshops to running the studio, doing interviews with the clients, going out on weddings, obviously. I also helped him start out the iSociety, which is his educational website. He had a lot of educational tools, his pickpockets. He did trade shows at WPPI, and I was involved in all of that. So it was a really a lot to learn and a lot of exposure to very different areas of the industry. And again, there's something about seven years. All the jobs I've had, I've had for seven years. I must get this seven-year itch. But after seven years with Jerry, I decided it was time to move on. I felt like I had all of this knowledge in the photography industry, but I wanted to share it. I wanted to help others with everything that I'd sort of learned over, I think, a period of like 15, maybe 20 years. Actually, it was 20 years. So I started my own consulting business. And when I was working with Jerry and we would do a workshop, you know, He would obviously refer to my role in the business and what I did for him. And a lot of people would say, I need a Sally. Yep, yep. (laughs) So I called my business, Ineedasally.com. And I actually remember calling up Sue and I said, I think I should register the domain, I need a Sally. And she's like, do it. And that just suddenly eventuated into my own consulting business where I was helping studios, mostly studios who were starting out. And a lot of it was things like developing a price list, like where people didn't know where to start with pricing. So I helped them develop a price list and some packages. A lot of the time it was helping set up a website, helping with their marketing, giving them ideas as to how to market their business to get more bookings. And not only new people that started to get sort of other existing photographers who wanted to take their business to the next level. And then I started to get inquiries from vendors as well who wanted to sort of pick at my photography industry knowledge to help them in their businesses. And essentially after I think three or four years of I Need a Sally, Animoto came to me and said, would you like to come work for us as our photography specialist in the marketing department based in New York City? And it was that last aspect that I just couldn't say no to. It had always been my dream. Based in New York City. (laughs) Yeah. It had always been my dream to live in New York and I just couldn't believe that this was coming to, I mean, it was literally a dream. It wasn't a dream that I was aiming for and I knew how I was going to achieve it. It was a dream. I had no idea. I didn't think it would really happen. So the opportunity to come out here and work with them, like I said, was one that I I couldn't turn down and I really haven't looked back. Uh, Animoto have become my family. Of course, now I'm on the other side of the world to where my family is. So the people I work with and the customers at Animoto are really my family here. And I was, I think I can say I was in my early 40s when I came out here. And I got to a point where I didn't know like what was next. I felt like I kind of achieved everything. But my time at Animoto, I've learned so much, learned so much about, you know, the startup industry, the tech industry, as well as then, you know, obviously video and social media as well. So it's really enabled me to branch out my knowledge to go even beyond photography, but still help people in the photography industry with their businesses and their marketing. 
I mean, it seems like you have just really had your hand in almost every different part of, you know, the whole photography business, really. And, and even with shooting, I mean, I've seen a lot of your work. And it was interesting to hear you say that you were more interested in, in journalism because it seems like that's how you shoot. Like your Instagram is so incredible. The moments that you catch in New York are always I'm like, did she set that up? Like, how is she doing that? You're so good at that part. So maybe, you know, you don't have the full-on experience with portraits, but with the other, you know, the more candid journalistic type photography is incredible. It just seems like you've just run the gamut of everything. And to land in this marketing role, it's really interesting how that all happened. Yeah, and I did learn literally studio photography and wedding photography. I I think it's in the thousands of weddings that I've attended. When I was working with Jerry, he was shooting 75 weddings a year. Mm -hmm. And I was out with him on most of those. I've shot weddings myself. I've, I've shot portraits myself. But it's really my passion comes from definitely documenting. And, and I think when I first began to travel in my sort of mid-20s, my parents didn't travel a lot. So what I wanted to do when I went to Europe for the first time, for example, was I wanted to capture Europe so that when I brought those photos home to show my parents, it felt like they'd been there as well. I really wanted them to experience it as well. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that came into the details. So it wasn't just wide pictures of you know, the monuments or anything that I wanted to shoot. I wanted to shoot things so that they could smell what it was like, so they knew what the food I was eating was like and to get the entire experience. And I mean, really living here in New York, it feeds that within me. And I know when I'm really in the zone because suddenly my eye is seeing everything and I just want to photograph it all. <laughs> but it, it documenting things is definitely the passion in photography that I have. And part of the reason I've actually gone down the path that I have kind of working more behind the scenes or working more in a role that's helping others with their business was because documenting and say travel photography and street photography as well is my passion. And I realized very quickly, it's very hard to make money out of that. And I knew that I had to make money to put food on the table and pay my rent. Mm -hmm. So the opportunity to learn and be in the industry still, but also when I realized I could help others with their business was really the great balance between what I wanted to shoot, which was more or less my passion and how I was going to work in the industry and, and run a business. So it, it really fulfilled all of the needs that I had there. Yeah, that's really cool. And, and, you know, from what I do know about you and what others have said about you, you are just such a good like support for, for people and that you genuinely want people to succeed and you're there to help them. And so I'm, I'm really curious how that, you know, has played out for what, you know, working with Animoto and, and how you now help photographers in their business with what you do. Yeah, I think it's partly, I'm a very solution oriented person as well. So if someone needs help, I want to find a solution to help them. Mm -hmm. And I guess even coming from within the photo industry and, you know, I've been attending the trade shows for 15 years plus and seeing all of the vendors and seeing all of the new things that have come up from a photographer's perspective, so that then when I went to Animoto and I started to really learn the power of video and how easy it was, how beautiful it was, the impact it can have with people, because I was really thriving on learning this and it was really feeding me, I was then really keen to help photographers in their business. I could see how video could help them as well 
And so it was just something within me that wanted to share those learnings and to wanted to help wanted to help others actually realize that at the same time. And then even with customers, when you do help them start creating videos or if I've actually helped them with their social media and you start to see the results, that just spurs me on even more. And, you know, the the more you see people embracing it and growing, the more it just makes me want to share. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about video. Video has been something that has always kind of intimidated me a little bit and it feels hard. It just feels like a lot of work. But man, I know that ever since I started doing video, and I actually use Animoto, you know that, for my client reveals. So every photo shoot that I do, I put together a video and I just, I use the music that's on Animoto. There's so many great options. And then each client gets a video with even my personal branding. You know, there's something I feel like that comes with playing photos set to music. And then I always do a little bit of behind the scenes with hair and makeup and I include that in there. So all of my clients see that before they make a decision about their photos and selling. Like I just show it, you know, of course, now doing all the reveals through Zoom or Skype. I I have something really great and visual to show them prior to seeing their photos to kind of like prep them, I guess. And and I know I could get way better at using video in general, which is I'm kind of excited to hear what you have to say about it because, um, you know, just about video in general, because I, I need a little motivation around it. But I do know that using the videos for my photo reveals, I feel like it has definitely improved my sales for 100%. Yeah, it does. And it's something about the music. Yes, totally. The music really adds to creating the emotion and creating an attachment to the images. And that's where showing a video slideshow in your sales session or in the review reveal can have such a big impact. And again, mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of what I'm learning, a lot of what I'm involved with now stems right back to my history. And I mentioned that I worked in Tony Hewitt's studio in Perth. And when I worked with Tony, we showed slides of a portrait session. So he'd shoot the portrait. We'd actually get slides printed at the at the lab and we would put them in the carousel projector. The clients would come into the studio and we would project them onto the screen. Wow. And there was no music even, but just to show them projected big even had the impact. Mm-hmm. So from showing slides back then and then even when I worked for Jerry, Jerry was kind of the slideshow king. We at a wedding would do a same day slideshow at the reception. Wow. And so we'd get to the reception, download all of the images, pick out the best ones, make a slideshow, and sort of two thirds of the way through the reception, we would play the slideshow on a big screen. So it's always throughout my photography history, I've always understood the impact and the power of showing the images to music, especially to showing them bigger and to really getting people emotionally attached to them. And so that is definitely even one aspect of of video marketing or using video in your business. The slideshow is a way to definitely increase your sales, Mm -hmm. to create that attachment for people. And I would suggest, you know, anyone doing any kind of sales session, even to the people who are putting their images, say, online in a gallery, you can create a slideshow to music and send the link to your customer and they can watch that before they then go into the gallery. Mm-hmm. But any any opportunity that they have to see their images, telling the story of their shoot, be it their, you know, their 
personal branding shoot or their family shoot, when you put all of those images together and put some music behind it, you suddenly see the story of the subject come to life. And again, that's where you get this emotional attachment to the images and it becomes harder to actually say no mm-hmm. to purchasing them because you really, you want them. You have this attachment immediately. Yeah. So it's very powerful like that. But the other aspect, and I'm sure this is the one that you're sort of saying is more even intimidating. A lot of people think that video means you have to shoot video. Right. And A, it doesn't necessarily. Like you can put photos with some text on it to the music and create a video slideshow just with images. But even shooting video doesn't have to be intimidating. And, you know, it's actually, it's really funny talking about all of this because it's making me realize the history of where, you know, the legacy of where all of this has come from within me. But I remember being in Sue's studio years ago, probably five, six years ago and she was doing a shoot and she handed me her camera and said, here, I need you to shoot video. And I said, I can't shoot video. And she turned the switch on and she put the, the screen on the back and she's like, yeah, here you can, just just shoot. And at first I wanted to shoot everything because I was scared of missing anything. But then I really got the feel of it and I started to move around and I really understood that it wasn't that difficult and started then to love doing it and started then to challenge myself. And I also realized that if I did shoot everything, I ended up with hours of footage that I then had to go through and and edit. So I learned then just to get little short snippets, just to get like a 10-second snippet of B-roll of, say, the hair moving, of something that was going on, an expression. And then the ability to add these little snippets into your slideshows just adds that next element to it as well and adds that aspect of storytelling. When, when say, a couple look at each other and you get that video footage of that and you put that in between the photos that you've taken, it really brings it to life. You start to see the emotion even more. So oh yeah, it really doesn't have to be intimidating. You can also just use an iPhone. I mean, the iPhones these days are incredible quality. So I would suggest to anyone just to start with photos only, but to really start playing around with the video, either on their camera or on their phone and and having some fun with it. Yeah, yeah. And I want to talk to you about marketing and using these videos to marketing, particularly on social media too. But before we do that, I just wanted to say that I find that using these videos, and again, when I say video, the whole video, as far as like actual video only includes like 10 to 15 seconds in these videos that I'm doing for reveals because it's mostly just the slideshow photo with the music and then like some of the behind the scenes, literally 10 to 15 seconds. It's not a whole lot. Mm -hmm. So like you said, it's, you know, but I use it as a sales tool because if they purchase the largest package, I throw in that slideshow as like a bonus. It's a way, you know, we always talk about having the small, medium and large packages to sell with, but making sure that you're plumping up that top package so that people just can't resist. And that's one of the ways that I plump it up because hmm. I'm making the video regardless. So to throw it in to them is like, oh my gosh, and I get the video where to me, it's like, I've already done it. It's not that big of a deal to throw it in if they buy the biggest package. Yeah. So it's just kind of a nice, it's, it's just a nice sales tool on top of it. Yeah. It's a great pull through for your packages to get them to the next one, because especially if you're doing that to put a value to it, 
So when, like, let's say on your price list, you've got the slideshow as $200. So when you include it in the package, it has value to the package. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day, we would do that with, say, we would include a 1620 or something like that in the package, but that was going to cost us money. Like we had to, there was an expense to that. But like you said, you're creating the slideshow anyway. If you put a value to that and then add it into the packages, your customers are really are intrigued by that. And like you said, it's a great pull through up to the next package. And I know that works for a lot of people. It's also good too, if you didn't want to use it in packages, like it's great as a thank you or as an incentive, you know, you can always have it in the back pocket and say, hey, you know what, if you, if someone's deciding between two packages and maybe there's a slideshow that's not in there, you can always say, you know what, if you go for that package, I'll throw in the slideshow. Or if someone spends a lot of money, you can always send them the slideshow afterwards and say, hey, thank you so much for your business. I wanted to send you this, you know, and even to ask them to, to post it to social media. I'd love for your friends to see these beautiful photos. And, and if they do, send them my way. I'd love to take their photographs as well. Like always asking for the referral, but by seeing their photos to music can really aid that you know it's not just showing them the best photo that you took or the photo that they've seen on the wall they can see the the complete package which often tells more of a story yeah for sure and this I want people to, listening out there to know this is not like an Animoto show Animoto is not getting you know they're not a sponsor or whatever I just truly I use it and I truly love it it's so easy for me and if you've listened to other episodes you know that technology is not my superpower it takes me, I feel like, longer than the average person to learn how to do things technology-related. And Animoto has really made my life easy in this way. It's like drag and drop. Like, I have my templates in it. And I just, anyways, I just wanted to put it out there that this isn't like, you know, a paid Animoto-type thing. I just truly use it and love it. And you just happen to work for Animoto. So I just, you know, I didn't want people to think that this was. Anyway. Yeah. And you can probably tell, too, by my my tone. I mean, once you get me talking about this stuff, I actually I do get very passionate about it. And that's not necessarily because I work at Animoto. It's just because I believe in it mm-hmm. and I've seen it and I can see the impact that it's have. And again, that's sort of where it comes from. When I see things working, I want to share that with others so that it can work for them as well. Right, right. Okay, let's get into the marketing piece of it with social media and just how can we translate this to booking more clients, just getting more people, you know, behind our lens? Yeah. Well, I mean, again, when we're talking about social media, you can, and most photographers will post a photo to their feed, be it their Facebook page, their Instagram page, whatever platform they're on, which is great, which is fine. It's a great way to, at least you're putting your work out there and not just sort of keeping it on your computer. Mm -hmm. Social media is so huge. It's where you know, the bulk of the world are spending time, especially these days. I think online traffic on social media is through the roof since we've had this pandemic. So if that's where the people are, that's where you need to be. And like I said, you can post a photo, but how much more impacting could it be if you actually posted three or four photos to music and put some words to it, maybe put a video clip to it? But what we've actually found is through tests of video versus a still, I know, I think it was like two, three years ago, we did a test where the video saw three times the engagement as a still photo. Three times. Three times and twice as much engagement as a link, like if you were linking to somewhere. Wow. And I mean, we've all seen the platforms change over the years. 
And I know I, I would ask anyone now listening to open up their Facebook or Instagram and I can guarantee you in the first six posts there will be a video. And these platforms, the algorithms are pushing video into the feed. Video has become a bigger thing from a content perspective in the last five years. We are seeing video everywhere and the reason for that is you can tell stories with it. It does capture attention. Also, people's attention spans are shorter. So they don't want to read anymore. They'd rather watch a video than read the words. Totally. I love the idea of too of of having text on the video because if I'm watching, if I can't sleep and I'm just watching something late at night or just scrolling through Instagram, you know, with my kids or whatever, and I don't want them to hear the sound, like if they're watching TV or whatever, I love being able to read the text. Yeah. That to me keeps me there. Yeah, it does. I mean, you could putting captions on it definitely helps. And mm-hmm. I think, to, again, it depends on the platform. I think Facebook especially was about 85% of people are listening with the sound off. Uh, interestingly, now with stories, the stat is something like 60 plus percent are looking at stories with the sound on. Hmm, okay. So it's good to be aware of the different platforms as well. But I, again, I encourage people, and it doesn't have to be every post that you do, but I would say maybe once a week. What I would do is every shoot that I did, I would pick my favorite six images, put the name of the person I was photographing there and a little bit about their story, and just post that to social media. Because the other thing is, we've actually found that 58% of people will check out some a, a business's social media profile before even going to their website. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. So it's super important to have that brand presence, to have to show your customers. I mean, I, I believe your social media pages should be treated equally as important as your website is to make sure that it's reflecting who you are and what you do. And by putting a few videos in there, will actually help them get the feel for what you're doing, especially if it's a behind-the-scenes video. But the important thing to remember is if you're just posting it to your feed, your regular pages, you're actually only getting in front of the people who are already following you. Mm -hmm. So when you said there, how do we turn this into bookings, I see a lot of people saying, well, you know, I'm posting, but it's just not working for me. And a lot of the time that's because you're posting to your existing audience or to people who already know who you are and what you do or who you've already actually photographed. So I think it's really important to every now and then, if you see something that's resonating with your your existing audience, put a little bit of a boost behind it. You know, it could be $25, whatever you've got in your pocket. If something's really performing well on your page, put a boost behind it and target the friends of the people who are already following you. It can be as simple as that. And you'll start to then hit an audience that isn't following you. It'll be a new audience and they're the ones who are more likely to book you. Similarly, if you're actually familiar with Ads Manager or if it's something that you're interested in diving into, we've seen great results from people posting ads either in the feed or in stories even these days. Stories are very powerful for ads. And again, it doesn't have to be a big spend. We recently did a video with a farmer in Connecticut. Now he had a a roadside stand where he sold his vegetables. And every winter he did the CSA boxes where you could subscribe and pick up a box of fruit and vegetables every two weeks or something. Anyway, he ran an ad on Instagram stories using an Animoto video. And he got 20 people sign up from that ad. Wow. He spent $290 on the ad. 
he had 20 people sign up and he knew that the lifetime value of a customer for him was, I think he said $1,200. So the potential return on investment from that $290 for him was $24,000. Wow. When you look at it in that perspective, we did a similar thing with a a fitness gym. They did personal training and they got 11 signups from running an Instagram stories ad. Now, if you ran an ad that was to swipe through and, and book a session, and even if from a $90 spend, you got three sessions booked, you know, it's well and truly worth it to do that. And then if you actually found out what was working, because a lot of the time, once you do one, you can tweak your audience, you can tweak your ad and you start to learn what's really working. So the more you do them, the more you learn and the more you'll actually succeed with these ads. And again, I mean, to book a few sessions a month from running an ad on on social media, I think is definitely worth the investment. And once again, we just find that video works better. People are more used to watching videos. Social media is very much a swiping culture. You know, you swipe through the feed and Instagram, you'll tap it, swipe, tap it, swipe and this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So you really need to grab their attention. And that's where video kind of kicks in. The motion actually makes them more inclined to stop and look. Yeah. And specifically on stories, like I find flicking through stories, they all start to look the same because we're all using the Instagram tools, you know, the same fonts, the same colors. Yeah. So if you can create, and you've seen the ones that Jerson makes, you know, Animoto's got these great new video styles now that add some great motion transitions and some really effective ways to gain attention. If you put that as, a, as an ad in stories, it's really going to stand out. And that's what's really important as a business. That's what you want to do. So for sure, I definitely recommend people just test that out and give it a try. Yeah. Yeah. And as you were talking, I was thinking like a lot of our SBE members are do personal branding and headshots and that sort of thing. Like you could put something together for your clients pretty quickly and easily with text, get their logo, get their like slogan or whatever, and just do a quick couple second or 10 second social media video for them and and upsell that way too. Like not even just to, to market for yourself, but to do it for your clients. Yeah, totally. And and for that sort of thing, you know, even LinkedIn is a great platform for that. Right. You know, a lot of the time, again, we're talking about Facebook and Instagram, but LinkedIn's very powerful if you're dealing with business professionals. If you are doing personal branding or you are doing headshots, uh, that's definitely a platform to look into as well. Gosh, I, I'm not even on LinkedIn. I feel like I'm missing out big time. <laughs> It's really hard though. And this is the thing even for me right now, like TikTok is the new thing. Okay. And I know it's for the kids, but even as a social media expert. I can't. One more thing. I know. And that's what it is. It's like, oh my goodness, I've downloaded it and I've looked at it, but I'm kind of like, my brain just doesn't have the capacity for this right now. Yes. Totally. I did my first TikTok. One of my one of my childhood best friends was over their daughter and her daughter has the best dance moves. She's like, do a TikTok with me. And I was like, I don't think you want me to. So I just like busted out my old school dance moves and did a TikTok. As soon as I heard that it, there was another thing becoming popular, I like I I was like, no, I can't. Like you said, I just feel like I just don't have the capacity time wise, brain wise. But it's like, at what point do we have to decide that we need to do it? Yeah, and the best thing too is to know who your audience is and where they are. And that is the good thing about social media these days. Like in the beginning, everyone was everywhere. But as time has gone on, each platform now has a very specific demographic. And it's really interesting. Like we're all a little bit over Facebook, right? 
But when we've done surveys, that's still where the people are. And when we're running ads, that's still the strongest platform to run ads on. Interesting. Especially if you've got like that Gen X boomer kind of audience. But also I was surprised and I actually spoke about it at the Portrait Masters a little bit, but there are still a lot of millennials on Facebook. So you can still, with that said, if you know that your target audience is Gen Z, then TikTok and Snapchat might be the specific platforms for you. So Mm -hmm. rather than thinking I have to be everywhere, really know who you're targeting and what platforms they're going to be on and potentially just put your focus from a business perspective especially into those platforms. Yeah, I love that. I love that thought process. It's like, okay, where are my clients and don't feel like you have to be on all of them because I'm not really trying to ramp up my senior photos. So I guess TikTok is not where I need, is not where I need to be, thank God. <laughs> no. No. And you can you can go and look at it and very quickly decide, no no no, I don't need to be here. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, for sure. I have noticed uh, I'm getting ads from TikTok in my feed encouraging businesses to sign up for a $300 ad credit. So TikTok are definitely going to be going down that route of putting ads in the feed. And again, I guess if your uh, target audience is Gen Z or the younger people who are on TikTok, that could be very powerful for you. Yeah, absolutely. And then Sally, what advice do you have for people when they're making videos? Like how do I decide, you know, what content to put in there or what to captivate people, you know, so they'll stop, I guess, and, you know, stop scrolling anyway. Maybe I can talk about what not to do. Oh, that'd be great. Because that's, I think, what I see most is people doing things that are not necessarily the right things to do. Now, one of them is putting your logo first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't start with your logo because that won't stop people in the feed. Right, So right. I would start with your strongest image. If you have done some behind-the-scenes footage, start with some video footage because, again, that will attract attention. But the other mistake that I see people doing is they're making their videos too long. Mm -hmm. and people won't watch. I think this is where as well, if you are creating videos, it's really interesting to look at your insights and just see how much of the video are people watching. You might find that after 10 seconds they're really dropping off and very few people make it to the end. And, again, most people put their call to action at the end, right? So no one's actually seeing the call to action because it's at the very end of a a two-and-a-half-minute video. Right. So I would suggest you know, like a 30-second quick video to show people like very much just a summary, like a highlight reel is what you want to put on social media, just a a short reel of the best of your work or the best of a shoot or the story you're trying to tell. And with that said, at the other end of the scale, if you did want to make a longer video, I know Facebook was saying that videos over three minutes would be placed in the feed more often. And again, we tested that And if Facebook are telling you that, Facebook are doing that. So they were putting longer videos into the feed. But there's that spot between, say, a minute and three minutes that's kind of a dead space. So, again, it's kind of like know what you're trying to say and what you're trying to achieve. So if your objective is just to get some attention and get some engagement, try that shorter video. If you want people to hang around and learn more about you, then maybe go for a three-minute video or longer. But that place in between is kind of like a place where nothing happens. (laughs) Yeah, that's really good advice because there are sometimes when people will post their video in our Facebook group and be like, okay, you know, give me, give me your feedback. What do you think? And 
you know, I think people are looking at it from the perspective of I need to include everything and show the full experience and that sort of thing. And I think there's a place for that, but maybe on your website. But when you're trying to capture someone's attention, I don't want to be staring for 20 seconds at someone getting their hair done. Yeah. You know what I mean? It needs to be like quick and, you know, like you said, snapshots, uh, you know, just something to really keep me engaged. If it's too slow moving as a consumer, I'm done. I move right on. Yeah, it is. And again, I know as photographers, because I do this as well, and it's really funny when I look back on slideshows and videos that I created, say, two or three years ago, as we become attached to our images, and we love them all, we want everyone to see all of the photos that we've taken. So a lot of the time, even I think it's a good practice to potentially make the video as you think it looks great, let it sit for a day and then come back with the intention of cutting it down because you will see it differently once you've stepped away from it and come back to it. But we do tend to include a little bit too much because we are creators. We love what we do and we want to share everything with everyone. So it is important to sort of try to keep it much shorter than keep it sort of going on. Whilst it interests us, it doesn't necessarily interest everyone watching. Right, right. <laughs> That's, I think, the, the key sentence right there. It might interest us, but it doesn't interest the people watching. And again, there is, I mean, I think if someone ever asks, like, tell me about a full photo shoot experience or that sort of thing, if you have that somewhere on your website or just something that you can send to people where it is the full experience, that's great too. But we only have, I think, I feel like I've heard someone say, which I really believe this is true, that we only have like two seconds when someone is on your social media page for them to decide whether or not they're going to stay. Yeah. Like you've got to put your best foot forward right there at the top. Yeah. And even then they'll see that two seconds and they might stay, but you've got to keep them. Right, right. So I, I know even at one stage, like that first six seconds is crucial. Mm-hmm. And even at the first six seconds is pretty much what is guaranteed to be watched. And after that, you know, it's hit or miss. It depends on how engaged in your content your audience is. And, you know, that's, that's really the trick. And that's the part of social media and content that I don't necessarily have the answer for because it varies from business to business. It varies as to who your audience is and how long your audience have been around. But that's, I think, again, something you can test out with your audience. We found at Animoto on our social media, our audience were mostly interested in these how-tos and DIY hacks. So it was things like ah, how mm-hmm. to make a stabilizer out of your tea towel. Sorry, a dishcloth, is that what you call Wait, it? Wait, what's a tea towel? <laughs> the thing you wipe your dishes with, I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a dish rag. Yeah, I, I like tea towels so, so much better than dish rag. Like <laughs> anyone from Australia, New Zealand, or England will understand what a tea towel is. <laughs> right. That's why I'm. I'm changing my. I'm from now on. It's tea towel. I'm gonna be like Van. Get me the tea towel. What's that, Mama? No, you don't call them tea towels. <laughs> I thought I'd Americanize myself, but obviously not. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. But yeah. So I mean, that was something that. We didn't necessarily want to be putting on our social, but it was the thing that people were engaging with the most and we were getting the most views, the most likes, the most comments. So we started to create more of that because that's what our audience wanted. And, you know, it was still very genuine. It was what we were all about. It was authentic to our brand. But we were we were much more hoping that people would love to see fascinating, beautifully made cinematic type videos, but nope, they weren't interested in that. So it's it's really interesting to play around with that kind of content and see what your customers 
really do engage with because that's going to be the key. And at the end of the day too, if you find you don't have the time to invest all of that time and energy into social media, the bare minimum that I suggest everyone does is just to make sure that it is reflecting your brand, your personality and acting as that social website. So as that validation where people will come to check you out and that it does a good job of representing you. So I think that's the bare minimum. But if you really want to dive in and maximize your social media activity, that's where testing the content, playing around with a few videos and different things that work is really important. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. I feel like I have a lot to do with this, but it doesn't have to be that hard though, I guess. is Yeah, yeah. it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. And it doesn't all have to happen today. You know, you can start somewhere, start by creating a video. Even I would suggest, and I'm actually thinking because that's what everyone says, it sounds like, you know, everyone wants to get started, but it's like, oh my goodness, it's another thing. How do I get started? And I think you could easily just say on a Monday, block out an hour and call it, you know, video creation time. And I think in an hour, you could make at least two videos for social media. And then, you know, that you might post one a week. So there's two weeks worth. So you might only have to do that every second week. But to sort of carve out the time to create and then post it during the week, I think is the best way to do it rather than say one day, one day, one day, because it sounds overwhelming. It sounds like a lot of work, but once you start, it really isn't. It's super easy. And, you know, a video can be a two blocks if you're using Animoto, like two images with a quote. So look up some of your favorite quotes about, you know, beautiful women or anything like that. Anything that's your favorite quote, add a couple of your photos behind it, put your logo at the end. And it's super easy. It's as simple as that to actually just jump in and get started and you'll start to reap the reap the rewards that way. Yeah. I love it. It doesn't need to be overcomplicated. It doesn't need to be just starting somewhere. And I, and I think that's like the mantra of everything, especially with the 12 week startup that we're doing right now. It's like, you just have to start. Like just do something, take one step towards whatever your goal is. So if your goal is to be able to make these crazy, amazingly beautiful videos, you still have to start with something. Like you said, two photos. I love that actually. Two, two photos, a quote and your logo at the end. Yep. Yep. Super easy. Yeah. Very easy. Yeah. I love that. Awesome. In fact, we should make that a challenge for people. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I'm like, this sounds like something that is just, it's so much more doable when you put it that way. And then once you realize how, okay, that wasn't hard and I've got some engagement and then you can kind of go from there, like you said, and test out what your audience really likes. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. Totally. Very cool. Well, thank you, Sal, for sharing all of your your story and your video expertise and just a little bit about the whole marketing piece and how it helps us. I think. I think this is going to be good for people to hear, for people who've been shying away from doing any sort of video. So, Yeah. And again, you know, if it feels overwhelming, just take a step back and breathe and start is all mm-hmm. I say. You mm-hmm. know, And even if it is starting with doing your slideshows for the reveals, potentially then cutting that slideshow down and putting it onto your Facebook feed and sort of seeing what kind of interaction it gets. Like you don't have to double down on the work. You can just make it super simple. But it's not as difficult as it seems. And I think the benefits that you will see from it will definitely be worth that time invested. And that's what you want. If you are going to spend time doing something, you want to know that there's going to be a reward at the other end, especially when we're running a business. And, you know, these 
difficult times is what we want is to get more people in the door. And this is definitely a way that you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. I still have a, a couple questions for you that I always ask people at the end of each episode. And the first one actually has to do with a photo shoot. So you could either do photo shoot or video or however you want to respond. But number one is what's something you can't live without when you're doing a photo shoot? For me, that answer would be, I mean, it's obvious, but the light. Mm -hmm. I'm all about seeing the light. Uh, Thankfully, working with someone like Jerry, he really taught me to see the light. And so now quite often, even I'll take a photo of a brick wall just because the light on it's nice. Yeah. Or I'll shoot something because the light is nice. And often the opposite, I won't shoot something if the light isn't nice. So, you know, a lot of the time, if you're in studio, you can control the light, but when we're outdoors, when I'm actually in New York City outside capturing, again, it's the light that I look for and that's definitely, I'm not necessarily a lens person. A lot of what I shoot myself is on my phone. So the one thing that I definitely can't live without is is the light. Yeah, great answer. It's true too. <laughs> Gotta have the good light. good light. Okay, number two, how do you spend your time when you aren't working? I spend it in New York City. <laughs> so I immerse myself in this city which is very different now to what it was, say, six months ago. But as I mentioned, New York was my dream. And I was lucky enough now, I've been living here for six years and it's still novel to me. I still go up to the park whenever I can. And I don't necessarily have hobbies or sports that I play or things that I do. I walk a lot. But New York is my hobby. It can be anything from, like I said, going to Central Park. It used to be things like Broadway or museums, galleries, events. There's always something happening in New York City. And even now that things are a little bit more quiet, we'll pop up to the park for the weekend and just have a picnic. The restaurants are still buzzing. But I think most of all, the characters, the people of New York are still here. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it what it is. So I could literally, and I did this even at the beginning of isolation, I would sit down on the sidewalk just with my fold-out chair and watch the world go by. (laughs) And I love that, you know. It's like watching a movie when you're in New York City. Yeah, yeah. That sounds so nice. Yeah, I wish I could come sit and do that with you, just sit and watch the world go by. That sounds amazing right now. (laughs) (laughs) One day, one day. Yeah, yeah. All right. Number three, what's your favorite inspirational quote? Oh, that's a hard one because it depends on my mood as to what it is. But I think I'm really all about the power of the mind. So one of my favorite quotes is, as you think, so shall you be. And that's really like if you think you're having a crap day, you're going to have a crap day. So it just reminds me to change the way that I'm thinking about things to actually change the way that I perceive them. Something similar is what you see depends mostly upon what you look for. <laughs> so and true. again, that's similar. If you look for the worst in people, that's exactly what you're going to see. So yeah, there's two. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's great. And that's such a good mentality, both of those things. It's if you make that shift to the positive, it, it could change your life. So simple quotes like that are very powerful. Yeah. All right. Number four, what would you say to people who are just getting started? Oh, oh, there's so many things to say. To someone just getting started, I would I think right now I would say to have a plan and know what you're trying to achieve. A lot of people like might become a photographer specifically or especially because they've taken some photos of their kids or a friend's kids and someone said to them, you're really good at this, you should be a photographer. But being a photographer is more than just being a photographer. Actually, most of it, if you're actually starting a business, the majority of it is being a business person. And without a plan as to 
what you want to achieve? Is are you out there just to take pretty pictures or do you want to make money? And if you want to make money, how do you intend on do, doing that? How many shoots do you need a week? How much do you need to sh- charge for your shoots? You need to have that kind of structure to actually know what you're aiming for so that you know if you're going to hit it or not. With that said, I think the second thing I would say, again, I'm going to have two things here, is not to wait for the perfect time but just to start. So have your plan and then just start instead of waiting for the timing to be right or the situation to be right because activity attracts activity. So the more that you're doing, the more that you'll see the results from that as well. So have a plan and then do would be what I'd say. Yeah. Perfect. Good advice, Sally. All right. So last question is where can people find you if they're looking for you online? Oh, goodness me. They can find me at... Well, on Facebook, I'm Sally Sargood, and I'm the only Sally Sargood in the world, which I love. Nice. That's cool. I know. It's cool, huh? On Instagram, I'm at Sally Sargood, so super easy again. I'm not really on Twitter that much, so you won't really find me there. I do have a website if anyone wants to check out my personal work. It's whereissally.com. So you'll see some photos of New York City and some of my travel stuff there. Otherwise, you'll also find me at Animoto. If you go to the Animoto YouTube channel, I'm all over that thing. Uh, There's a lot of tutorials and and videos about using video to market your business there on the Animoto YouTube page. Also, the Animoto Facebook page, we have a community, which is the Animoto Social Video Marketing Community. There's lots of stuff in there as well. So either Sally Sargood or Animoto is generally where you'll find me. Fantastic. Well, thank you again for chatting with me and thank you. I'm excited for everyone to hear this and learn a little bit more about video and practice some video and just get some good stuff out there. And also, if you are in our Subrice Education members only Facebook group, share your videos that you make so we can get ideas to other people or if you just want to brag and show off or tell us your results like it's always nice to see what other people do, so. Yeah, yeah. and even like often to put them up for critique as well, like, you know. Yeah. Yep. I'm ready to post this video. What do you all think of it? It's really good to get, you know, input from your peers as well. Totally. Yep. 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 Awesome. All right, Sal. I'll text you soon. Thank you. <laughs> we should do this over wine next time. I know. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. I know normally we'd be seeing each other in yeah. nine days, ten days from now, but now we have to do it online. So sad. I know. But at least at least I get to hear your voice, which yeah. is the main thing. But it's always a pleasure chatting anyway. All right. We'll chat soon, Sal. Have a good day. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today to the Portrait System Podcast. If you like what you heard, we would really love for you to leave us a five-star review either on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And I really, really want to encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com. Over there, you can find all of the education you need to become a successful photographer. It's only $35, and there are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 12-week startup program that I love, and there are posing downloads, lighting downloads, I mean truly everything to help make you not only a better photographer, but to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com. It's time for me to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Fujifilm North America. If you haven't experienced portraits and wedding scenes created on the large format GFX system digital camera sensor, you are missing out. 
Along with up to 102 megapixel resolution, you'll find rich colors and gorgeous in-camera looks. There's also AI-driven subject detection and 8 frames per second bursts inside the compact GFX100 digital camera. Hit the link in this episode's description to view the products. It's time to dream big in your creative process.